Hello and welcome back to Mining Now. This is episode 7 and today we are joined by Charles Niembeze. He is the Vice President of Business Development and Commercialization at SEMI, Center for Excellence in Mining Innovation. He's here to discuss how they develop innovations to find more ore, mine more ore effectively and safely, generate more value from mines, and get a more benign impact on the environment. But before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. First up, we've got Cal Tires Mining Tire Group. Whatever your goals, reducing costs, improving uptime, or fulfilling sustainability commitments, Cal Tires Mining Tire Group has proven solutions to help you reach your targets. With proactive planning, tire management innovation, and highly trained team members, at Cal Tire, they believe you can expect more at every stage of your tire's life. To learn more, please visit caltiremining.com or email them at info at caltire.com. Next up, we've got CIM. CIM is the leading membership organization for technical content and creating connections in the mining industry. Mining professionals and students can access a breadth of technical expertise through the CIM Technical Paper Library, the OneMind Digital Repository, the CIM Journal, the CIM Magazine, and attend upcoming CIM webinars. Whether you're working in the field, in the office, or at home, join the community today and learn how they can help you achieve your professional goals. Find out more at CIM.org or in the link below. Finally, we are uh, also sponsored by Savannah Equipment. Savannah Equipment supplies new and used mining equipment around the world, from placer to underground to ore processing plants. They have gold concentrating tables, trommels, and mineral jigs in stock now to take advantage of the high gold prices. Visit them at SavanaughEquipment.com where you will find more equipment every day. Well, let's get on with Mining Now. This is episode seven, and here is Charles Nyambeze and Jared Downey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mining Now. I am your host, Jared Downey. Mining Now is brought to you by CIM and Crownsman Partners. We're very happy to be bringing you the show, unpacking mining technology, leadership, and innovation in the mining industry. With me today, uh, pretty much covering all those topics, is... Charles Nabezi, he is the Vice President of uh, Business Development and Commercialization at uh, SEMI. Uh, how are you, Charles? Good to have you on the show. I'm doing great, uh, Jared. Uh, thank you for having me on, on the show. Uh, first off, what does SEMI stand for? SEMI stands, stands for the Center for Excellence in uh, Mining Innovation, SEMI. How long has your organization uh, been around? SEMI was uh, formed in uh, 2007, which makes it uh, 13 years old, and uh, were created by, by the mining industry. Uh, at that time, uh, the leading companies were uh, Inco uh, and, and Falcon Bridge Extractor Glencore, and also were created by um, uh, the provincial government of Ontario. Uh, so we are a 13-year-old organization. We are a not-for-profit in status. Uh, and we, uh, you know, governed, you know, with the board of directors and uh, and the management team. And what what is the what is the function of the organization at its core? Yeah, I'll say that the vision for SEMI is uh, to to solve the, the industry's challenges, and and then the mission for SEMI is to advance innovation to solve the industry's challenges, and uh, and we use various techniques and methodologies uh, that we have. Uh, uh, being able to to uh, to streamline and to improve over over the last couple of years, 
uh, and 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 so you know we 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 accelerate the commercialization of of mining innovation. So when you say mining innovation, are you talking about companies that have new technologies or or new processes? Uh, sort of what's what's uh, how, what is your organization doing? Like who, what? How are you facilitating the this commercialization into the industry? Yeah, very, very good, good question. So, so basically, what happens is um, innovations get get created, and uh, and and some of them are applicable to mining, and and others are not. And, and the ones that have applications in mining, you know, as they go through the the process uh, to go towards adoption, you know, they meet up with various challenges uh, along the way, and uh, and and they are there's a, a a place that we have identified as the commercialization value of death where we find that an innovation needs a little bit of help to translate it mm. over into, 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 into operations and into, into adoption. So what SEMI does is it identifies uh, that, that gap that a technology is facing and, and we then use our services to help to bridge that gap so that that innovation doesn't, uh, doesn't die in, in the value of, of our commercialization debt. I want to go over a few examples of it here in a moment, but um... I want to understand where, when you start talking to companies, or I mean, I guess where you start talking and where you actually start um, actively pursuing um, having them commercialized into the industry. Uh, where, what stage does Semi start actually working with the company on a, uh, on on a level beyond communication, but into a level where you're actually uh, trying to take it to market? Yeah, I think well, one way to answer that question is really to look at uh, technology technology readiness. You know, there's something called a, a technology readiness scale, and it kind of gives you an idea on, you know, where technology is along this development path. So, so technology level uh, readiness level number one is is kind of that uh, you know ideation, and it kind of moves through that fundamental research, and then you know you have a lab scale demonstration project, and then you kind of move from lab scale to actual in field. Uh, demonstration, technical validation, business case validation, and then that kind of translates over to actual market adoption and you know maybe mm-hmm. the best end use, best case uh, uh, adopter of the technology, and then it goes into full commercial um, adoption. So, so Semi likes to look at uh, ideas that are uh, have been technically validated, but are now looking to get that um, industrial scale demonstration to actually uh, have that proof of concept in field. That it's a technology work. So Semi likes to participate where we can actually take that technically validated idea and have that proof of concept in the field. Uh, and so we like to find ideas that are in that zone uh, that need our help to, to move them forward. Uh, and and mm. typically how we do this is that uh, you know we can when we meet with a technology provider, we can sit down and have dialogue, you know, where we do a bit of a gap analysis. And that gap analysis allows us to find out where we can play a role. And you know, the beautiful thing about the gap analysis is that it also allows us to identify opportunities for other organizations in the ecosystem to be able to help that entity to move things forward. So SEMI doesn't do it all. You know, we just do our niche, uh, but certainly we also identify opportunities for other organizations to, to be able to help the technology to move forward. That, that gap um, identification, that process that you do, is there a consistent one? I mean, of course, people watching this episode, there's going to be people with new technologies that are chomping at the bit to get into the industry. Is there, is there a couple that kind of always end up at the forefront in that gap? Yeah, you know, what we've done is um, 
four years ago, we, we developed a, a commercialization readiness assessment, which we adopted from economic development. Because what we found with economic development was that, uh, you know, to actually help a, a community to develop themselves, you needed to understand, you know, where, what their capacities and their capabilities were. So we, we adopted this commercialization assessment, readiness assessment for, for innovation. So when we do this assessment, you know, we, we look at eight different areas, uh, you know, that make up for uh, what we call the capacity of an organization to be able to commercialize. And what we've found is that um, just uh, socializing an idea, getting awareness is, is one key gap that companies have. You know, another gap mm -hmm. is not having uh, the right context uh, you know, th that respects the culture of the mining industry, something that companies have a, a real problem with. And then, you know, then the other piece is just, you know, the, 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 the mechanisms to introduce a technology into, into a mining company is something that we also help to facilitate. And then the other piece is just making sure that, you know, that the, the technology provider understands, you know, the requirements uh, to, to actually get that innovation adopted into uh, a complex operation which already is innovating in other areas. So it's about mm. being able to really match the technology uh, into a complex system where other innovations are already in, in, in progress. So, so when we do an assessment, we, we are asking these questions to really understand, you know, where is this technology at in terms of its understanding of how it fits in the larger context of a complex operation. Mm. You know, that's, uh, uh, you could almost do a whole show just unpacking those points. I think there was five that you gave there. Um, there's one, you, you do, you bring, something I found very interesting that your organization does is uh, cross industry um, where you're bringing a company that's actually operational and commercialized in one industry, but now you're transporting them into the mining industry. And I want to, before, I want to go over a couple examples because there's a couple really good ones and from very different angles. But when you said the context of the mining industry, I found that, you know, I, I understand there's certain, uh, you know, for commercialization and integrating into a system, there's certain, uh, you know, approval processes that need to be put in place. But you said, I think the second one you said was actually about context, about just sort of understanding the mining, uh, the mining industry. Um, is that, could you give me an example of that? Or maybe not even an example, but just sort of unpack that a little bit um, of someone just coming into the industry and not quite getting it? Yeah, yeah, thank you for that question. I, I would say maybe a, a good example of it is um, just being, you know, the, the, the readiness to bring in a new technology into a, a billion dollar operation, okay? You know, when you stick a hole in the ground, open a new mine, you know, people have said it's a billion dollar investment. Like, you know, just typically it's a billion dollar investment. If you look at the exploration, you know, if you look at the, the development costs, you know, even before you hit, actually hit operation and production, there's, there's a big, huge investment that you've put into the mind, mind to get it going, right? So mm -hmm. then what happens is if somebody comes up with a new technology or a new idea and they want to bring it into this complex and expensive operation, you know, there has to be an element of due diligence and technical validation done to ensure that that new technology doesn't create a problem. Okay, and, and, and so some new innovations, even though they're great and they're wonderful, uh, they can actually create systemic problems along the, ch the supply chain, you know, that, that, that moves that, that rock or that product from where it is found underground or on surface to, to, to the milling processes. So, you know, companies that come in from other sectors, you know, without an awareness on the complexity of the mining uh, operation and how everything ties together, 
you know, they can come in sometimes not, not being quite ready enough. And, and another example is, you know, just readiness to fulfill, you know, uh, sometimes companies don't, don't realize that, you know, that volume is what's needed of, of their solution. And if they're not ready to actually fulfill the volume required to, of their technology, that can be a problem. Um, you know, I've had, I've had organizations come to us with a really neat technology, uh, but when we ask them questions like, you know, how soon can you provide 20 of these or 100 of these or 1,000 of these, you know, some of those timelines have been very, very long. So we want to ensure that when, it, when a technology is presented before a mining company, that it is at a level of readiness that it can actually be acquired uh, and adopted so that it can be commercially adopted within the operate, operating environment in a way that makes sense. It's almost like if you look at, think about plug and play, plug and play is not so simple in mining because it's not just as simple as plug and play. It's more like plug and then make sure that you have thought through all the other surrounding processes that can allow the technology to be infused properly into the operation. More like plug and play around. Plug and play around, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, there's uh, there's a couple of examples that I really want to get to. They're they're excellent examples because I, I was going through some of the ones you provided yesterday. Um, I want to quickly run them off. There's Paytex, Renix, uh, Senatil. Um, can we do a quick? Uh, what I want to do is I want to give a quick snapshot of all three of those, and then I want to drill into just one of them and sort of unpack just the process. Um, so anybody watching actually understands the steps as an example of what a company, and these are all companies that were outside, the ones I just listed are all outside the mining industry and are trying to transition into commercializing within mining. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so could you just kind of go through, uh, let's start with Paytech, just what they do, and then we'll move on to Renix and Senatil. Yeah, so, so Paytech, when we met them, you know, they were still sort of uh, coming out of uh, the incubators uh, at, at, uh, at, at, at the university level. And, you know, they were a young company, you know, that, that had a, a tracking application that was really geared towards, you know, manufacturing plants. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, one of the projects that they were doing at that time was, you know, when you get your tires changed in the winter, right, and, and, and your tires get stored somewhere. They had a technology where they could put a tag on your tires when they get stored. So that when the, when the company goes back to find your tires to swap them out, you know, they would know exactly where, where they were because of, of the tracking, uh, RFID tracking tags. And also Paytech was a company at that time that was looking at, um, at supporting uh, the agriculture industry. You know, their sensors, you know, had the ability to tell you about humidity and, and other conditions, you know, on the on, on the ground, and so when we met when we met with them with the, with the CEO with um, with, uh, with payment, you know, we, we we had a conversation about hey look, you know, there could be an application of the tracking technology in mining, and you know when he started looking at that vertical, you know, he started realizing the opportunity, and so one of the products that actually came out of of, of Paytech uh, is is a is a, 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 a um, is called a, a mark pack, and, and the mark pack is 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 a tracking device that you throw into a mud pile, into, 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 you know, a rock pile. And, and it is, it is built, you know, with the right level of, of, um, of, of, um, I guess it's rigid enough and it's, um, it's, um, it's, 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 uh, it's built with, uh, um, the technology that allows it not to crush so, so easily. It's ruggedized enough for it to be able to work in the mining industry. So, so now they have taken that tracking technology that was used in other industries and have now brought it into the, into, into the mining sector. And again, the process to, for them to do this has, has been, you know, identifying that best use case 
and then use the first use case as a, as a proof of concept to say this technology actually works. What so let, let's go through some examples for them. We we'll get to the other couple in a sec. But what um, what what are some challenges that they would face right off the, off from the beginning when they're trying to make those transitions? Yeah, I think you know the, the challenges they face is number one. Number one is who do you go to first? You know, and 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 who are the companies do you talk to? You know, mining companies. You know, they they there's so many people in the mining industry that play very different roles, right? So who do you actually go to? Uh, for that particular technology and how do you present it to them. So they have to kind of package their value proposition in the right way. And then in terms of exposure, you know, um, you know, Paytech had to participate in, in different events, mining related events. They had to be, you know, to be to to speak on different panels, to showcase the technology at different mining conferences and events so that they can get the idea socialized within the mining industry so that people can get an awareness and on, of, of, of who they are. And then you know once once they go through the process of uh, of getting that first uh, uh, first adopter, and then it's about you know how to enter into the supply chain, the procurement systems for 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 the mining companies so that the technology can can, can be uh, adopted. Is and are you working with them right from that process, or do you say or do you tell them oh, there's a couple uh, milestones you have to reach? Um, how is your involvement there from the beginning when they start to try to make that transition? With, with Paytech, pay the relationship uh, wasn't even a, a relationship that was a, a specific business relationship. It was more so, you know, uh, them using the relationship they had with us to, to bounce ideas off of us and then kind of, you know, save back some ideas to them. And, and, and so the process is really, really being consultative, consultative where we, we're just offering it as a, as an added value to to them, uh, but but see the, the paytech example is an example where it wasn't a relationship where we where we were paid to actually help them out. You know, it was a relationship where we were sort of trying to see how we can help this entity move the technology across to the other side. Uh, but other examples that I have, for example, a company called Groupex from Norway. You know, where we actually have a relationship with them, where we they are a paying card client, where we have a business relationship with them to actually get the technology to be adopted by the mining industry in Canada, where it's a technology that has been adopted elsewhere, but not in Canada. Oh, that's interesting. So, okay, so let's let's go let's let's unpack uh, Group X a little bit. So let's let's go right to the root. Where what did they offer, and then? Then where did they launch and where did they uh, commercialize? Because they, like you said, they started out in the actual mining industry already, just in a different, just overseas, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Gupex, I think, was mostly solving the construction industry initially. Sorry, because the construction industry, you know, they they had a use for heat exchange technology. So, if I can just maybe take one moment back. So, so the Gupex solution, it strips the low grade heat out of the exhaust rays. So, you know, so the return air rays in a mine, you know, pulls air out that is at a temperature that is typically, you know, a lot, a lot, uh, maybe a little bit higher than the temperature that the air went down, you know. So, so in the winter in Canada, especially, we have to heat the air that goes underground. So if we can take some of that low grade heat coming out of the exhaust rays and use that low grade heat to, to reduce the cost of heating the air going underground, we can see some cost savings, not only cost savings, but also reduction in GHGs and, uh, and obviously reduction in, in energy costs. So, so the Gupex technology was a technology that was not 
there was no awareness of the technology in Canada. So what we did with GoPex is that obviously we have an agreement with them to be able to help them commercialize the technology in Canada. So we, we showcased them at a, a few conferences that we held. Uh, for example, we showcased them at, um, at uh, our deep mining conference last year. You know, we brought them to PDAC so that they can walk around the sh show. We brought them to CIM so that they can get that awareness of what's happening within the mining industry. And also we, we just recently, I think about a month ago, hosted a, a webinar, you know, where we had, again, we, we profiled and showcased the technology. And, and we have been strategically uh, speaking to various mining companies, you know, that have a requirement to hit the air that goes underground. And that also have, you know, air that is sort of throwing out that energy that is not being captured through the exhaust raises. So it's been a, a, a you know, a relationship where we, we, we have been presenting and packaging the value proposition and bringing in before the various companies that we think need to see the technology. But I think the, the really important part is the socialization of, of the Google technology, you know, through the webinars, through bringing them to the different events. And, uh, and also, you know, we, we, we have really helped them to, to, to repackage, you know, their value proposition in a way that could be more uh, appealing to the mining companies. When when you say you know, these you know, web series come to events like you're saying going to events like CIM, um, of course they're they're a co-producer of this show. Um, how important do is it for these industries? Um, let, let's say example, um, Savannah Equipment is a sponsor, so there's a lot of they do a lot of just mass promotion. A lot of people need to know about them because they sell used equipment, so people all over the world need access, they need to know just about the brand so that they can access the equipment. Fairly simple setup. With companies like these though, who have a very specific target market, um, well, maybe I, I'm assuming that they do, but um, it seems to me they have a very specific target market. They need to be fed directly to the decision makers and they have to have all that research, all that market readiness. Is that essentially what they need um, as opposed to everybody in the industry knows about them or do you need a mixture of both i think you need a mixture of both but i think you know from, from a mine operating standpoint uh you know any any technology is going to touch the lives of, of more than one person and and what we have found is that you know making sure that the people's lives that are going that get touched by the technology have a certain level of awareness of, of what the technology is and and you know talking about you know, about the gupex example you know, it's, it's, it's a technology, you know, that, that, that cannot be installed, you know, at a mine that has one year of mine life left, right? I mean, it has to be a mine with a, you know, maybe five year plus mine life, you know, to, still left, left, left to go. And then, you know, the, the other piece too is that, uh, you know, just the decision making processes within the mining companies for an adoption of a new technology could sometimes be better on a greenfield site as opposed to be on a brownfield site. So, so mm. again, when I say socializing an idea within the mining industry, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to a site that any one mining site, you know, you need to raise the level of awareness of what the technology is amongst beyond just one person. Because as I say, you know, you know, that technology will touch technologies that are upstream and downstream from it. So that's why it's important to, to make sure that uh, it's socialized properly. And, you know, on, on the GUPEX example, you know, the, 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 the ventilation fans, you know, can be impacted slightly by, by the solution, but not significantly. So if somebody is working in the ventilation department, they're going to be concerned, you know, about whether or not the solution is going to impact what, what job they do and what processes they're trying to manage. 
So we want to make sure that in any any idea, any technology, uh, that you know the level of awareness within a company of that technology hits all the right people that need to know because they'll be impacted. You know, their jobs will be impacted. You know, by any new technology that is brought in. Uh, there actually, there's a question that I, I thought of while you were saying it, and it's um, for a company that is uh, already in the market overseas, and then they're trying to get into the Canadian market, the U.S. market. Do you find that there um, there is a noticeable difference? Um, are they expecting things that they're used to in one in one market, and then? Um, and then they come to the Canadian market and realize, oh, this is actually, there's some real different steps. Or is there a similarity across the industry globally? Yeah, look, I think the similarities are, is that you're moving rock at the end of the day, you know. But, but, but I think, you know, where, where the differences are is, is language. That's one approach is language. And then, you know, the other approach too is, is just culture, right? You know, I think, you know, being Canadians, right, I think, you know, it is, you know the the, the push approach approach to, to moving a technology forward doesn't work as well maybe in the U.S. where people maybe are more willing to just tell me what you want exactly don't waste my time yes right so there's a bit of that and you know so I think there, there is language right and then and then I think you know when it comes to you know things like you know how does technology impact the jobs you know that are downstream from it is something that I think Canadians are very much aware of now uh, because you know we recognize you know that. There, there is an impact on people's jobs by technology. So, so there is some, some differences there. And I think the other piece too is that some technologies do need to get a validation that's Canadian. So for example, maybe they need it. Yeah. a standard, they need to get the Canadian standard. So there is that piece as well. And, and then, you know, again, you know, Canada is a very unique country in that uh, mining is provincially regulated. Or what that means that every province, you know, may need a different approach to have that, you know, how that technology is adopted. And then, you know, talking about that provincial distribution in Canada, you know, even our mining in Canada is also distributed provincially. You know, you, you do have sort of, you know, the, the open pit mining happening and coal mining happening in, in, in BC, you know, and then you, you kind of have, you know, the, the, the oil sands, you know, happening in, 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 in the prairie Alberta, Alberta. And then you do have in you know, Saskatchewan, you know, the soft rock and, and uranium. And then if you come across to Manitoba, you go to the best metal mines, you know, Quebec and Ontario, best metal mines. But then, you know, so if you go across all the way to, to even the East Coast, you know, the, there's, there's different mines, there's coal mining happening there too, and open bit mining. So across Canada, there's a, a different array of mining happening. And so, you know, when a technology wants to come from other country to Canada, it's so important for them to align themselves with the Canadian entity, such as SEMI, because then we can actually make the right levels of introductions with even solution providers in Canada who may be better suitable to move that technology mm. forward than, than, you know, than a foreign entity doing it themselves. So, so there is a, a, a difference, you know, and I think foreign companies do recognize that coming to Canada is not as simple as just, you know, presenting a value, value proposition, right? You know, it, it, it's an understanding of, of, of the culture in Canada and understanding of this, the different ways that you socialize in, in innovation into the Canadian mining sector. You know, everything you, you just said, I, I've, I've had firsthand experience just even um, starting our show and collaborating with organizations like CIM and I mean, all the other collaborators and, and even our sponsors that do the show um, is that uh, I was, you know, when I sort of started out with this, 
I, I sort of maybe even had a little bit of that American style, just very direct. Let's, let's what's the deal? What are we doing? And I, I learned very quickly that that is just not the way people do business in the mining industry here in Canada. They do. They really do need to get to know you. It takes several conversations. You cannot push for a sale. You need to outline their options. Um, and it just makes a huge difference. So, yeah, everything you say, I, if, you know, anybody watching that's trying to get a technology, I mean, obviously, come and talk to you. But also keep in mind, you have to you have to build those. I think that socialization of the technology is such a great term. I, I actually hadn't heard it before, um, but it's a perfect term for it. Yeah, it really is. That, that is what it is. Yeah, if I can just, um, uh, if I can just comment on, on one thing that I think is really important, it's, it's sales, right? I mean, like, look, I don't view what I do as, 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 as direct sales, I'm going to put it that way. But, but I do view what we do as part of that. It is on that sales cycle, marketing cycle, communications process, right? And a lot of what we're trying to do here is really bridge the knowledge gap. Because at the end of the day, right, you know, they, it's bridging the knowledge gap that actually gets someone to then, you know, have the recognition that a technology could be of value. And we also view it as closing the commercialization gap. So, so Semi's role, you know, in, in how we are sort of facilitating, you know, the, the speed and the velocity at which an innovation gets from, from where it is to the place where it's adopted commercially and it is not part of the process is really sort of to close that gap. And we use the very different techniques to do that. So when, when I'm talking to a solution provider, I'm not trying to get them sales, okay? What I'm trying to do is bridge the commercialization gap that they're, that they're facing. But on the other side, at the mining company side, at the operator side, the operator also has a commercialization challenge because they also have to bring that technology into an existing process. And so they also need to think about, you know, the challenges that they have in commercialization technology within their own operation. That's, that actually brings up another thing is that, uh, and I think you'll be able to explain it. I have a very surface level understanding of it is, that in mining, you said you said it right at the beginning of the interview, um, these mining with all the different levels within these organizations. I mean, I mean, just right, just from logistically, right? The executive branch will be in Vancouver, and then the mines are scattered through all over the world, right? And then there's different types of mines out those different areas. And then you said even in Canada, the provincial mine is mines are regulated at a provincial level. So, and then there's the operations within each mine of these different systems from, from the open pit to the processing plant to, and down, down the line. So, what, does the information, you, you mentioned something in off, off air earlier that was um, about the information sort of being in a silo. Um, can you talk about that? Because I think it's a really important thing to understand uh, when you're talking about integrating technology into a mining system. Yeah, and I think maybe to best answer the question, I would, I would say to you, we, we have an innovation lens that, that, that we use. Okay, so in other words, when I'm looking at an, at an innovation, I, I put on these glasses, okay, that enable me to see different components of that, of that innovation. And, and I'll explain it this way. So number one, we always ask the question, does this innovation accelerate the time to revenue, right? Because that answer is an answer that matters to a lot of different people within an mining operation. And in fact, it matters to the stakeholders, to the, sorry, to the, to the investors, the shareholders, I'm going to say not stakeholders, shareholders. Right. It matters the time to revenue. Because as I explained earlier on, you sink a hole in the ground, you're a billion dollars in debt. Okay, so how quickly can you recoup that? So time to revenue is important. So we look at an innovation from that perspective. Then the other perspective we look at it is, 
does the innovation reduce the capital cost and operating costs? Because those two things matter in an operation. Then another question we ask is, okay, does this accelerate or does it improve the return investment on an operation? And then, you know, kind of the, the, the umbrella question we also ask is, does it improve the net present value of an operation? Because everybody within the mining operation is really working towards, you know, bringing the revenue into the mining operation because mining is a business. It's, it is a business, right? So at the end of the day, it's that kind of bottom line. But having said mining is a business, we also understand that mining is also a social business in that we have to understand that mining has to be safe. Mining has to be environmentally responsible. You know, mining has to, you know, to deliver value to the communities that it is operating within. So when we're looking at any innovation, we kind of want to look at it from all those different areas. So we really have a bit of more of a holistic way to look at mining. So our innovation lens is very holistic. It's looking at all these different components and asking the question, you know, does this innovation hit all these different targets? And I'll tell you what, any innovation that doesn't hit the majority of all those targets, we can work with it. Okay, because it doesn't miss, meet the threshold of excellence mm. that we are looking to work in on an in innovation. So any small incremental improvement technology are typically not the innovations that SEMI is interested in working with because we're kind of looking at that impact being a bit larger on, on, on an operation. So I don't know if that answers the question fully, but that's sort of how I would frame that answer is, is kind of looking at from how we view innovation and how we then pitch that value proposition to the potential end user by making sure that yeah. the answer we give hits all the different la la levels. So somebody may be interested in productivity. You know, maybe their 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 operating principle is tons per day, right? I want tons per day. You know, someone else's you know value maybe is it safe? Okay. Somebody else's you know maybe or is it environmentally you know conscientious and responsible? And then someone else maybe bottom line it may be you know what. What will my stake, what do my shareholders think about all this? So when, when we are presenting a value proposition, we want to make sure that it is addressing all these different layers of, 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 of uh, within the operation so that the idea gets socialized throughout the operation and not just sort of, you know, presenting it only to one department. Yeah, I've kind of got this vision in my head of the, the business owner or the, the, of the technology, they're bringing it in and they've got a very central focus of where they see it, but you're able to then take that and then put it through your lens, which is looking at it as a, as a mass operation and integration system. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, I want to go before we wrap up, there's, uh, because a lot of the, both examples you gave earlier, one, one was from outside the mining industry, one was from um, essentially outside the country, but within the mining industry. But they were both um, had been commercialized already. But you do, I mean, there are cases where you will start a company a little sooner that's still sort of in the incubation stage or a little bit beyond. Um, there was one you brought up that I thought was an interesting. Um, there, I think it's, it's Cold Block, I think is the one. And they were sort of an interesting technology. And I thought it might be a good way to wrap up just anybody who's sort of at that incubation stage just to show why you would jump onto a technology or work with a technology like that. Exactly. So, so again, you know what, is that whole t time to market, right? Uh, you know, at the, look, at the end of the day, you know what, is the time value of money in mining. It, it really comes down to the time value of money. And, and, and I will touch on core block in a moment, but I think it's important for me to kind of set the, uh, the, the stage by saying that, you know, in mining, a dollar you earn today, you know, is worth a lot more than the dollar you're going to 
earn in the future simply because of the time value of money, right? And you know things like mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, like inflation and 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 you know interest rates and all these things come into play quite quickly in mining. So so with Core Block, you know what they what where we met Core Block, we met Core Block when they were at the university level, research level. But what we recognized quickly with Core Block was that the time from for them to move from where they were at the university level to market was going to be in a very short time frame. It's going to be within that three-year time window, right? Um, and so we, we invested in Core Block, you know, together with the, the federal government, or with the NSEC. Uh, we both made an investment in Core Block in, in accelerating the development of their lab scale into something that could be brought into, um, into, into operations. So the Core, core Block technology, it's, a, it's an assaying technology. So basically what happens is, you know, when you, when, when you have a sample and you want to know what's in the sample, you know, there's two techniques of doing that. You can either take that sample and send it off somewhere where someone looks at it closely and it gives you an answer. Uh, but with the core block technology, you know, within a very short time, within 10 minutes or so, they're able to tell you, you know, what are some of the components in, 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 your, in your, your, your rock sample. And then also with the core block technology, you're actually able to, to package the technology into a, a, a mobile interface where you can actually bring it to site and be able to do assaying quite quickly so so this technology you know what we we have we have profiled them you know at different conferences you know and and now you know core block is as mature the place where you know they at the last pdac you know they they had now a relationship with amira from australia you know they they they, they have uh, uh, done different versions of their technology now that you know not to version three of, of, the, of the of the technology and we're continuing to help them identify new verticals within, within mining where they can bring, bring their technology. So, so Core Block is a company we met when they were at a very low TRL level and we were able to help them to go up the TRL scale to a point now where they're, they're a commercially, commercial company. But even now that they're commercial, they're still innovating. You know, they're still mm-hmm. making that new version and that adding new technologies. And we're still working with them to make sure that the new, the new next generation technology, I think it's Gen 3 now that they add, is, is actually gets uh, entrance into, into the market in a way that is, 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 is as quick as possible. So we, we did actually hold a webinar with uh, Core Block uh, two weeks ago, you know, where we are, we're trying to get um, some, some uh, participation on the Gen 3 technology, which is going to be able to, to do sample digestion a lot faster than, uh, than their, their previous generation models. I have this. This is uh, this is something that I've I asked on another show a little while ago on the energy side. Uh, plug for our show, Crown Energy. Um, no, the um, when when technology is updating, and this is a tr- this is a tricky thing, and probably not an easy thing to answer. But you said they're on their third generation. What is that fine line that you've seen between? Um, updating, continually updating uh, your technology and innovating within the technology that you've introduced that has now been commercialized, how hard is it then to go back to a company and say, hey, we've got generation three now, uh, upgrade, especially if there's hardware involved and it's already been integrated into the system? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it comes back to the strength of your value proposition and, you know, and the capabilities that you're bringing to a company. You know, I think if a technology is, is, is bringing more capability uh, or is, you know, is increasing, you know, the productivity, you know, by, by a measure, a measure that, that is significant to, to that operation, 
it becomes a lot easier. But, but I think you're correct, though. If it's a software upgrade, you know, it can just be done in the cloud. And, you know, that can be done quite seamlessly, you know, kind of like, you know, getting your, your Tesla's uh, operating system updated, you know, remotely. Uh, but, but, but I think certainly, and I think, you know, being able to demonstrate what the new version does is, is important. But again, I think, you know what, adoption of technology, uh, look, m mining is global. It's a global industry, which is there's, there's a lot of customers out there. And, and, and some customers are actually getting uh, privy to the Generation 3 technology as their first adoption technology adopted technology so you know the ones that already have the technology are probably getting good value for what they bought it for um, and they may not even need the next next generation, next generation technology but i think the new gen technology allows other markets to to also open uh mm. which, which 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 is i think is, is a good thing so i think I'd, there's not one answer to your question i think you know it all depends really it all depends on on what the new value proposition looks like and what the what that new value proposition means to, to people that already have it, have the technology, and what it means to those that don't, don't have it yet. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fair answer, um, Charles. We, uh, you know, we've we had a lot to to cover, and um, we're we're sort of closing in on time here. Um, you know, I wanna I wanna thank you for coming on the show. You you're you're somebody I've you know I've seen a couple of other interviews and stuff that you post, and then talking to you, getting to know you a little bit. Um, I kind of I kind of joke with people now. It's like people come into my life for a very brief point of time, and then they're gone. <laughs> I have about three weeks relationship with them where I'm talking, communicating, kind of develop a friendship, and then it's off to the next show, and then they're off to back to their industry. Um, but but you have a real love of mining. Um, you're you're somebody. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people. You know, some people it's it's very much the opportunities they see. Some people it's they it's in it runs in their family. I mean, there's all different reasons. But but you, I, I've seen you and talked to you enough that to know that you really do love mining. And and what is it to close off the interview? What is it about the industry that you are genuinely passionate about? Well, you know what? Thank you for ask, answer, asking the question. Like, look, I, I, I believe, you know, that mining is, is, is really the king of all industries, okay? And, and my sister and I joke about this. She says, you sh I should say it's the king and queen of all industries. Okay, yeah, it is. <laughs> it, is. it is the king and queen of all industries. And, 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 and the proof is really, you know, in, in, in the reality around us, right? You know, Gerald, I always challenge people and say, look around you right now and tell me if there's anything that you see that didn't come to you because of mining. Right, or that involve mining in some way, right? So they, it really is nothing, you know. That's why I've got a little sign behind me that says, "If it isn't grown, it has to be mined." And and you know what? And if it has to be grown, it also needs mining. But I think you know the really important thing about mining that I think every human being on the planet should be aware of is this: if we are going to have a low carbon economy, and we want one, right? The only way to do that is by having greater mineral intensity. Uh, on the, the metals that are actually significant to a low carbon future. So for example, if we need more lithium, more copper, more cobalt, more nickel, you know, more of those fundamental metals that are necessary for a low carbon future, mining is the key to do that. So this, this is why mining is so important. And, and then the other piece that I think, you know, where my passion comes from is, you know, I was born in Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe is, is a country that is blessed with, with a lot of mineral wealth and amongst mm -hmm. other things, you know, um, and, and, and mining is, and agriculture actually are the two different industries that are actually going to, in my mind, going to elevate the quality of life of people in, 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 in nations like Zimbabwe and, and in other nations. Uh, and, and so I believe that innovation is going to unlock that 
ability to raise the quality of life of people that are, that are out there. So mining is really fundamental when it comes to, to, to be able to raise the standard of living of people in, in, in these countries that are labeled third world countries. And so that's where my passion comes from. So my, my passion comes from just really the fact, you know, that mining is, is, is the key industry and that without it, you know, everything kind of just stops moving, right? So, you know, if, if you turn mining off, the world stops, stops moving, right? And this is why even during COVID, you know, people say this is an essential service. Yeah, it is an essential industry because it really drives the world and, and keeps the, moving, the world ticking along. And which is why I, I really believe that, you know, we have a responsibility to make mining clean. And the only way to make mining cleaner, cleaner is, is through, through innovation and technology and, and making sure that we infuse that innovation into, in, into the mining industry. And it will result in other industries benefiting. Uh, you know, most industries, even your industry, right? I mean, it rides on mining. And, and yet, if somebody was to ask you, Jared, are you in the mining industry? You know, you could say, well, I mean, the communications, well, you're in the mining industry, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so we find there's, there's other adjacent technologies that people don't think are in mining, but actually are part of the mining mining industry. Yeah. I, I just had a quick question. I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I, I'm just curious um, because... You mentioned that you're from Zimbabwe. Um, do you do you still work with some country um, mining companies that are or operations, not companies, but operations that are around the world? Um, is there a comparison do you see between, um, let's say, a Zimbabwe? And I don't know how much you work over there still, compared to Canadian integration of technology, compared to in Australia. Is it pretty consistent? Are most countries now? really uh, reaching for this technology or are some countries not not integrating the technology as fast? And I, I don't know if you, you know the answer to that, but it's just a, a question that I'm always curious about because I, I don't travel um, to these mine sites very often at all. So I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, I'll say a question. You know, it kind of reminds me of that movie, you know, the, the Frankenstein movie, you know, I think, you know, you know, where this creature got created by kind of joining different pieces together. and. Mines are kind of like that, you know, like, like, look, some mines, honestly, even in our Sudbury Basin here, you know, same company can own a mine, can own, you know, different mines, but those different mines have different levels of technology, technologies adopted, right? So, you know, so when you go around the world, right, you will see that the technologies that have been adopted by mines in, in Africa or in South America that have not been adopted in Canada. And yet it's a good innovation, right? And so it, it really is one of those cases where, you know, innovation is adopted by mining companies as that company feels so comfortable or as they see, as the culture of the mining company sees, you know, the need to adopt it. So when you, when you look at, for example, technologies to do with tailings, right? Those technologies are going to be adopted around the world in a way that is, you know, faster than maybe you'd find a, a technology to do with say, maybe say with communications, right? So, so it's hard to say, you know, which country has more adoption because the adoption is happening in different parts of the processes of the mind. Of, of yeah. So, so, it, 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 so just to be fair, I would say, you know, innovation is, is being adopted globally. Uh, Canada is definitely one of the lead countries in adopting mining innovation, you know, and I think, you know what, I, I think somebody could argue that Australia is also, you know, one of, one of, one of the key ones, and, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but, but certainly, you know what, uh, I've seen in South America, you know, an adoption of technologies, you know, that, for example, you know, technologies like um, desalination, you know, are, are being adopted in countries that, you know, that are, you know, in drier climates, you know, but the coastline. So, so it all depends on where you are. 
with, with innovation and technology. Uh, but 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 definitely, you know, with with COVID, you know, the pandemic, it, it has accelerated, you know, the, the consciousness of of, uh, of mining companies globally. Uh, if they want to continue to continuity of work, then they need innovation to 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 be able to facilitate people to continue to work. Yeah, that that that's a great answer, and that's uh, and I, I I figured there would be an answer in there that I, I hadn't thought of, and just that perspective of that it really it depends on what stage or or what um what part of the operation the innovation is taking place, um which which dictates globally. Um, which technology is being integrated on any given country. So it's a very interesting um, answer, actually. Um, Charles, thank you for, for being on the show. I, um, you know, I, I, I hope that you come back on because I think, I think as, as mining now continues to grow, you know, CIM, the work that they're doing, obviously Crownsman is always pu- trying to push out new technology and new ideas. I, I hope this is a, a conversation that we can continue, hopefully feature some of the companies that you uh, work with on the show. Um, it's, it's so important, obviously, to get them to market, but, obvi- but, but for people to be educated on what is actually going on in the industry, um, especially here in Canada. So thank you very much for coming on Mining Now. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for watching that show. Um, you know, I, I spoke several times with Charles off the air. And um, so, you know, there was there's so much that, that he could unpack for us. And uh, so I, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of limited to, to what I can uh, unpack with him be, just from time constraints. Um, so I hope he does come back on. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe. Thank you to our sponsors. Put comments, suggest companies, especially after this episode, innovative companies, companies with new technologies. Reach out to us. Let you let us know who should be on the show. You know, check out cim.org. Uh, they're doing. They've got so many experts in the industry that they've got these different um, these different webinars. And of course, we hope that the trade shows come back very soon. Um, so check them out. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for watching. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Um, If you would like to help support the production of the show, head on over to crownsman.com forward slash donations. There are two options, the five buck monthly subscription option and the support heavy industry one-time donation option. Again, that is crownsman.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much for your support and we will see you on the next episode.